0: My mat began to kind of be this this only space in my life to where there wasn't all of this chaos everywhere, where I wasn't like surrounded by um, by parties, surrounded by this the noise that I that I kept myself around, so I didn't have to hear. So it became a place where I could check in, a safe space, and also a really challenging space.
1: That was Cold Chance. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another Yogi Misfit Sessions. My name is Danny Pomploon and I am your host. Today's episode is a Fierce Calm collaboration. If you guys haven't heard any of these episodes before, this is where we get to buddy up with our friends over at FierceCalm.com. They are an amazing platform that essentially helps uh, people share their stories um, in the world about how yoga has saved them. Some people have been in accidents, people have gone through addiction issues. I mean, all over and across the board, these stories are super, super, super powerful and absolutely amazing. I also wanted to remind everybody some really exciting news. I've been working really hard. The team has been working really hard over here at Yogi Misfit Sessions to not only make these episodes better and the sound quality and everything that goes with that, but also making it an online community and having us all connect. We recently launched our support page, so you can go to dannypumploon.com slash support. And you can do our Patreon donations, which is $2, $5, $10, and $108. Now, no matter what you do to donate, any amount, I'm giving away something for you. So I'm writing handwritten thank yous. There's a little video that you get. There's an online private class, uh, different things like that. Every dollar goes right into supporting the show. To put it into context, uh, it takes somewhere around 500 bucks just to sustain sustain the show itself. Um, So, whether you want to donate two bucks, and really, if I had maybe like 250 of you guys each donate $200 a month or rather $2 a month, it would sustain the show and then some. Um, It takes a whole lot to put a podcast together, and I wouldn't be able to do it without my amazing team and without you guys, my amazing community. So if you get a second, go check it out, www.dannypumploon.com slash support, and see if you'd like to support the show in any way. If you can't make a financial contribution, all good. Head over to iTunes and leave us a review share these episodes with your friends. The more that we get the word out there, the more that we get to share not only this quality content for teachers and yogis alike, but also these amazing stories and collaborations with people like Fierce Calm. So stuff that I'm super passionate about. I think that this, uh, this podcast can really help a ton as it has already. Without further ado, here comes session 106 with our Fierce Calm Collaboration. Cole, welcome to the show. How you doing?
0: I am so well. Yourself?
1: I am good. I'm just getting over I mean, we were just talking before we recorded, but just getting over this little head cold thing. I slept 18 hours yesterday, so
0: mm.
1: I'm hoping this thing leaves my body.
0: <laughs> yes. Be gone.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're done. <laughs> we're not playing this game. Um, so I, I want to start always, uh, you know, anytime I do one of these episodes, I, I know... Um, you know, from my experience, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of strength to be able to share your story and to just be really raw and and vulnerable and to want to put your voice out there takes a lot. Um, And I also want to start by saying thank you, because the more that we get to put our voices out there for the people that yet don't have that courage and that strength, um, I feel like it really lends um, a helping hand and, you know, can maybe help others uh, that are, you know, struggling, um, find their gifts within yoga. So thanks for coming on the show. And thanks for sharing what you're about to share. I truly, truly, truly appreciate it so much.
0: Mm, Yes. Happy to be here. And yeah, that's the hope (laughs) that it, uh, it resonates in the right places. Definitely.
1: So let's hear, let's hear about how yoga saved your life.
0: All right. Well, I was, um, hmm. I, Took my first yoga class in a treatment center whenever I was around probably 23, 24 in California. Mm -hmm. And I had a long, um, a long run with drugs and alcohol. And I was kind of popping in and out of welcome to the party. Yeah. Popping in and out of uh, treatment centers and hospitals and detoxes and all of that jazz. And, you know, I took my first yoga class finally at one of these, at one of these centers, surprisingly, they're not at all of them. They should be, but that was my first, um, my first introduction. And it was really a, one of those moments that kind of showed a different path. And it was, it was interesting Mm -hmm. because I had one of those, I had a different moment like that whenever I first started drinking the first time I ever had a sip of alcohol I was 13 and Mm -hmm. at that moment like a life that I didn't realize was black and white like all of a sudden turned into vivid technicolor it's like my life started and like a path appeared and I was like oh Mm -hmm. this is what I want to do like I remember that night telling myself I'm going to do this forever like absolutely deciding that
1: Had you been, or had you, had you been introduced to yoga ever before? Was it ever on your radar or had you even thought about it beforehand? Or was it really the first time was when you were in treatment?
0: You know, I had heard about it, but i had never, I had never done it. Like I had like heard people say Mm -hmm. namaste. I had seen some yoga poses, but I had never actually, um, yeah, I I had never, I I had never practiced before.
1: Got it. And so what was it like going into that first class?
0: Well, it was horrible because I had just, I had just gotten there. So normally I would kind of like wake up in treatment center. It was never really a choice. So I was kind of like waking up, like figuring out where I was, how I, how I landed here again. And I remembered that, um, I wasn't, I was detoxing. So I wasn't supposed to be in yoga. I wasn't even supposed to be there, but they just let me go and like lay down. So I was at this place in Santa Cruz and it was, um, this gorgeous location. It was in the Redwoods and like the, I remember the shala it was like a greenhouse. It was all windows and it, it was beautiful. And I swear there were like even cartoon birds. Like everything was so like animated and vibrant and beautiful. And the teacher's <laughs> voice was like angelic. And I was like laying on my mat, smelling like booze and shaking. It's like the juxtaposition of like everything that was going on in the room. And then me like laying there hating myself and, and um, just... Uh, it was so vivid. It was, it was so really, really challenging to see the, the, that difference there. And I think that that is one of, the, one of the reasons why it was so such a shift or such a, such a thought of like, wow, there's something really different happening <laughs> that I'm not part of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I started to just get curious about it. And obviously, I didn't practice that day, but I was there for a month and began to practice every day.
1: Was the practice there? Was it a little more mellow? What was what was the actual practice like? Was it like a vinyasa class, or was it like restorative, or uh, what? What was the practice offered?
0: They did um, hatha classes and pretty slow. Yeah, pretty pretty slow. Some restorative. You know, I, I don't even remember that clearly. I just remember moving my body and breathing. And I don't. I remember thinking like. Oh, I've never thought about thinking about breathing, like <laughs> the thought that thought had never crossed my mind. Yeah, and well, the
1: awareness for the first time for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, to have that awareness, and then you know, I I was so disconnected by the time I got in there, that even being like, take your right hand to your left foot was like, Ooh, <laughs> ah, <laughs> like all of these, all of these, yes. So it's like all of these little things about just being aware of my body, being aware of my breath, being aware of my thoughts, all of these rather simple things. It's like the learning curve was real. Like it was really that, um, I don't know how to say that, but just everything was so prominent and so big there for me in the beginning. Well,
1: I, th- I think for for a lot of us that have had, you know, drug, I mean, I can totally speak from 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 my story, like from from drugs and alcohol, like you're you're, like you just said, you're so disembodied um, those that have maybe not necessarily have gone through that forget that like it is a brand new experience to actually feel yourself when you're not under an influence when you've been under influence for so long. So something as subtly nuanced as, you know, someone asking you to feel your breath or to feel your toe or to move your, you know, whatever it, it really is. It's not only a brand new experience physically, but also mentally and emotionally, like to mentally ask yourself to do that and to have to feel that is, a whole lot. And now we, you know, for, for me anyway, now I'm like, yeah, I do this, this and this, and it's like second nature. But beforehand it was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> That's witchcraft.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it is. And it's, it comp- it, you become incredibly disembodied and I, I sometimes liken it to being a, like a marionette doll. <laughs> it's like your, your body's mm-hmm. still moving yeah. through space and you're still like going along in, in your, in your life, but there's just not feeling like that you have the control and then being able to get back into these little bits of control and awareness is big. Yeah, it's quite a, it's quite a shift. So um, there's this, there's this author that I really love. His name's Tim Kreider. He's an essayist. And I just read this the other day. He says, um, being clear headed is such a peculiar novelty. It feels like some subtle, intriguing new designer drug. <laughs> like, <laughs> Really? That's what it felt like. I was like, what is this? Like, what is this like a uh, clear headedness in this body and this breath? And like, that was, that was the novelty.
1: So you got out of treatment and then where did, uh, where did it go from there?
0: Well, I drank on the plane home. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I was kind of, um, I didn't decide that I wanted to be sober until quite a bit longer and normally what would happen is I kept feeling like I got backed into a wall and I like did it wrong. Like I, I did too much or I just made the wrong choice, but it wasn't ever that I had a problem. So I would wind up in these centers, but very quickly, you know, I was obsessed with the idea of figuring out how to be a normal drinker, a normal partier. And, um, so even though like in this one and this was this treatment center was a really big shift for me. And I remember thinking that If I ever get this sobriety thing figured out in that same thought, I said, but I'm not going to like in that same thought, Mm -hmm. it was like, if I do, but I'm not, then I'm going to come back and check this out. So that went through my head and then I like shelved it Mm -hmm. and then I went right back out and through the next several years though. Um, Every time I had a little bit of sobriety, which wasn't very often, or I was just maintaining pretty well, because I was pretty high functioning for the most part, then I would go into a yoga class. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my mat began to kind of be this, this only space in my life to where there wasn't all of this chaos everywhere, where Mm -hmm. I wasn't like surrounded by, um, by parties, surrounded by this, the noise that I, that I kept myself around so I didn't have to hear so it became a place where i could check in a safe space and also a really challenging space but i kind of kept touching back and it might be like 6 months before i make it back or i might be trying to go a couple times a week but it was always kind of been feeling like i'm living this like double life um like i was the bad girl in class or like nobody knows that it was this kind of this strange feeling like i didn't belong sure. but i was like trying to check it out like spying on this different way <laughs> to live. Mhm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure.
0: I remember um like hearing like over overhearing people talking and uh like these two girls after class one day they were like, "Do you want to go and get tea?" And the other girl was like, "Yeah, I want to go get tea." And I was like, "I've never asked anybody to go to tea." Or like I didn't you know, just even listening to these simple conversations, you know, it would be like, "Let's go get martinis" or whatever and just like kind of having this curiosity about like How do these people live? Right. Yeah, it was really wild.
1: Hey guys, this episode is sponsored by Bretton Bush Hot Springs. Big shout out to them for supporting the show. Uh, they're a really cool retreat center that's off the grid. They've got some hot springs, they're a yoga retreat center, and meditation destination. Um, it's located right outside uh, the Oregon Cascade Mountain Range, and they offer over 150 workshops per year, as well as some free mindfulness and movement classes that you can find daily. This place is the perfect place to detach and just get comfortable, right? So we all get busy in the hustle and muscle in life. Check it out. I know you'll love it just as much as I do. You can check out their website at brettonbush.com. That's B-R-I-E-T-E-N-B-U-S-H.com. And now back to the show. Do you think that it could have been anything other than yoga? Or you think like There's a lot of, it sounds like there was a lot of awareness that came, you know, within the studio and within the practice and whatnot. Do you think it could have been something else and you just got lucky and it it ended up being yoga for you?
0: You know, I thought about that a lot. And, you know, I used to say that if it wasn't yoga, I don't know what it would have been. You know, it's something that I've really thought about. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's absolutely true. I think that maybe, I think it's, I think it's about the embodiment. So whether that is maybe through a different form of movement, maybe I I don't really know. For me, this is what, for me, this is what works. And I haven't found, I found other, um, different paths that I kind of go into like dance or different, you know, some different things that I do. But for me, this had the philosophy, this had the movement, it had the breath, it had the meditation. So all of the different components that this was diverse enough mm-hmm. to 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 hit me in all of the different places that needed healing, and I think that um maybe some of the other things might just be physical or might just be spiritual i'm not you know I'm not really sure, and I'm just happy that that it worked, not trying to question it too much, but there is something there is something about the the diversity and the to um this path.
1: Right. Right. So what, can you tell us a little more about what it was like, you know, obviously in your alcoholism, but what life was like before yoga and before, you know, the actual treatment center.
0: It was quite, quite chaotic. Um, I, well, of course, but I moved around a lot as a child and I continued that whenever I got older. Um, I had, I had a, I feel like I had like a really chill childhood and I was seeking some big experiences. So I kind of feel like that's what it was for me. Like my body was, um, really wanting, wanting like this, the seeking, maybe not so much in the beginning was I trying to cover things up, but I was more like seeking these big experiences. And I, I the exploration of it for so many years was about me feeling connected. Like I felt like so much more like myself whenever I was eating acid or when I was doing all or doing whatever it is I was doing, I felt like I was connecting with myself and then somewhere along the line that really started to flip. And then I was becoming, you know, disembodied, disembodied. So like that medicine became the poison. And, um, I spent a lot of time living in, um, resort towns, and I was bartending. And so I would live in like, uh, I would snowboard in the winters and be in a summer resort in the summers, which is a really good, really good places to hide when people are on um, vacation and everybody's drinking Bloody Marys in the morning. Sure,
1: <laughs> you know, like, everybody's having a Totally.
0: Yeah. So I, I found like some clever ways to hide in terms of that. And, um, you know, quite early, I started shaking in the mornings and um, I actually had told myself that it was coffee. So I quit drinking coffee, mm. which is absurd. But then I also learned that if I could drink a little bit in the morning, then that fixed that shake. So right. probably whenever I was 20, I started, I started hiding some vodka just mm. to maintain. And, you know, there was a lot of suffering. It was, it was a lot of fun and then a lot of suffering in between. So like the days mm-hmm. I would suffer and then the nights I would forget. And then the days I would suffer and the nights I would forget. Hmm. And it it was really it, it was really hard and it took a big toll physically on my body very quickly. I would have um had some withdrawal seizures around that time. Okay. That would put me in the hospital for not having enough um, you know, alcohol to maintain my system in my body. Wow. And yeah, again, that medicine becoming the poison, but yet the denial was so strong and the obsession was, was so strong to find, you know, to find this way to, to do this. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it was just, it was chaos. Yeah.
1: What was your break? What was your breaking point?
0: My breaking point came about five years later. So from that first time that I, or that treatment center that I went to, I probably went to three or four more, um, in the next few years, um, always coming out, resolving to be a better drinker or be a better, whatever it was. And, um, I had moved to Austin, Texas to to go to a treatment and I had about three months sober and Mm. I relapsed. And you know, I had moved I had moved to Austin to go to treatment. So the only people that I knew there were actually in recovery, which seems like a mm-hmm. really good thing until you relapse. And then the only people that you know, you you know, you immediately call the people that you know who relapsed. Um, right. so then it was kind of like the worst of the worst, or like the really a motley crew. And oh, the best of the best. <laughs> yes, the best of the best. How about that? So the best yeah. of the best. And so the last um and luckily, luckily. So the I went out for several months after that and started um using heroin, injecting heroin, which was the the one thing that I hadn't done yet. And very mm. quickly that um was not something that I could function on, <laughs> as I had been pretty well at right. functioning on other things. So it brought me down quite quickly. And I overdosed um in Austin. And mm-hmm. I, you know, when I kind of came out of that, you know, people have been telling me for a long time. I was pretty severe, quite young. And people were telling me for a long time that I was going to die. And I just really didn't believe them. I would think they were, you know, overshooting it, my denial, you know, all of that. But then that day, I was like, oh my God, it kind of, for, for whatever reason, I'd hit a zillion walls before this, but for whatever reason, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. this is real. And there's something that someone had told me, um, in a, a few years prior that I didn't really understand at the moment. And I had asked her how she got sober. Like, I was really like, how did you do it? Like, I couldn't even fathom. And she told me, you know, one day you're going to realize that you can be high or you could be happy. And that the two Mm-hmm. don't go together anymore. And that came back into my head that day. Mm. And I was like, well, shit. Like this used to bring me so much connection and so much joy. And that's what I'm seeking. Like, I'm not out here trying to kill myself. Like I'm looking to, to, to feel. Right. And that finally, it's like that pebble finally dropped to the bottom of the glass. I was like, Oh, that, and that was um then I finally called um i called for help, which is one of the few times that I've actually had done it myself um, and right. then it all shifted after that
1: it's hard it can be really hard to do to 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 say that you need help you know and even to admit that and to get to that point where you know you kind of feel like you've got it's it's a really hard place to get to i know uh, i mean in my when I got there, I, it was like the last thing that I wanted to do because I was convinced that I could fix it myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So what's it like now that, uh, you know, yoga is in your life and it's a big part of your life. And what does life feel like now?
0: Oh, you know, I couldn't have, if you would have asked me, you know, before I got sober, like, what do you think it's going to be like what if you could imagine it, the best possible way, you know, I would have sold myself short, right? Like I didn't have the language right. for it. Um. Today, this like feeling of freedom that I was after for so long. Mm-hmm. That I. I get to live all the time, like to be out from under that, um, that feeling of being a marionette puppet, that feeling of slavery that comes along or not the feeling of, but like the actual slavery that comes along with, um, with, with addiction, the spaciousness that's involved there. And today, Mm -hmm. so whenever I, whenever I got Whenever I got sober, there at the end, I immediately went into yoga. Like I immediately knew that's what I needed to do. I signed up at um, like for thirty days and for thirty dollars. I think I probably had like thirty five dollars, and I put thirty of it at uh, at the yoga studio and just went like a crazy woman. And um, I just kept coming back and I kept coming back and I did my teacher training there at that studio and immediately um, or not immediately, but um, very very quickly knowing that I needed to be sharing, like sharing my story and going into working kind of in the, in the recovery, like just stay close, just to, to to be able to stay close. So I Mm -hmm. began teaching at some rehabs Mm -hmm. um, after I had like a year or something sober um, in the community in Austin. And that's been a really big part of this, of the, reminding myself and you know feeling into what it is that I don't have to live day to day that gratitude for the freedom that I have now Mm -hmm. um and it's been six years and now I mean I'm I'm traveling and teaching all the time I'm always on the road teaching retreats teaching trainings I'm getting ready to be doing a um yoga and recovery program and online yoga and recovery program to begin and just getting to yeah getting to give back and do what I love and it's pretty mind-blowing
1: what's the most uh I guess what's the most gratifying thing of of all of this like going through all this process and coming out to this end
0: the most what thing?
1: Like gratifying, like the, the lesson that you've taken the most out of. Like when you get to look back at all of this mm-hmm. and be like, I got to do this. What 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 is the thing that you reflect on the most?
0: I think just allowing, allowing myself to not know. Mm-hmm. To kind of... <laughs> that feeling of like, of of not being able of, of not knowing what is ahead and how much now that I, that I still don't know, like letting the Mm -hmm. unfolding happen. Um, Mm -hmm. I was just driving earlier today and I was thinking like, what do I not know right now that is, that I'll look back and be like, I cannot believe that. Sure. That I didn't understand that. And Because prior, I, I couldn't imagine a life without drugs and alcohol. I couldn't. I didn't want to. I didn't know what the hell I was going to do if I was sober. Like I thought sobriety was going to be horrible. Right. I, I really, I really did. And just like to look back and think and think that now, it seems like so wild to <laughs> to believe that. And then yeah. to imagine like what it, what my life would be like sober and then the reality of what it is. And just how many times in life we think one thing and our perspective is so small. So it's like, what am I missing right now? Like what else has not Mm -hmm. like presented itself yet? And um, so continuing to have that sense of humility and um, that sense of wonder and excitement for what continues to unfold and being open to that. Try not to Mm -hmm. know everything. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Totally. For sure. I think it's crazy how, you know, when we're in our, you know, darkness or whatever it is, you know, we almost see that there is no, out. and I know for me, like, I'm just ever so thankful that it, it was yoga and, uh, you know, because I get to share and, and get to connect, uh, on this level, but also I get to hear other stories like yours and, you know, it, it yoga straight away teaches us to, you know, to tap into our truth and to be vulnerable and to be real and to be raw and to, help one another out and it gives us again this yeah it just sets us it sets us up for this place where we can share and where we can help others out so I, i'm just i'm thankful that your path was also yoga too
0: mm. yeah me too it's it's and again just the the talking about an unfolding path how you know we can we can study and learn forever you know, our whole lives and this, and it will continue just to unfold and new paths to go down and to explore here. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, there's so much, so much that resonates with people as well. Like, like I was saying that there's so many different legs of this, different things hit different people in terms of whether it be um mantra or, um, the asana or, I mean, it's, it's so vast and whenever you see or enable to teach it to, to students, how it connects with everybody in so many different ways, the, the layers mm-hmm. of it, I think is so beautiful.
1: Yeah. That uh, there's it's, it's so much to unfold.
0: Oh yeah. It's, it's gorgeous. And the way that it changes, my practice has changed so much along the way I used to have to, um, whenever I first started doing yoga and I've heard this with, with other people, especially in recovery. When I first started practicing, I needed to move my body faster than my mind. So Mm -hmm. I was like power yoga junkie. (laughs) Like I had -hmm. to go really, really fast because my mind was moving so fast. So it's like to get into, to quiet my mind, I had to move my body so fast. And I've watched my practice shift so much from that to where, you know, now I'm still so much Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and that um it's exciting to think about again where that'll lead like what will my practice look like in five years or in two Right.
1: right right that's awesome well cole i can't thank you enough for coming on the show and just sharing your story and you know like i said earlier it just really helps everybody when we get to a place where we can share you know our stories and you know you never know who's going to be listening to this and could turn around and just say thank you, you know, because mm-hmm. they got, there's a lot of wisdom that comes into it. So I can't thank you enough for coming onto the show today.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing what you do.
1: Absolutely. Until uh, the next Yogi Misfit sessions, this is Danny and Cole saying peace out.
0: Mm, ciao.